This is Truth and Love Ministries, where we bring people home to God by learning His truth and experiencing His unending love. In today's message, we're walking through the book of James. Using this book as a guide, we learn several ways our faith is tested and how God has designed for us to endure. We pray this message refreshes you and speaks encouragement to whatever is going on in your life right now. Now, let's take a listen to the message. We're going to continue in the book of James, the third part of the pride test. And let me say this to everybody. I don't want nobody to sit in here comfortably and think that you do not have pride. And I'm not talking about the good kind where you're proud of your children, you're proud of your family, you're proud of this, you're proud of that. I'm talking about the kind that God don't like, the kind that's destructive, the kind that he hates. All of us deal with it. All of us go through it. There's nobody that does something that's not looking for some kind of praise or accolades or something. All of us do. All of us do. All of us want to be spoken well of. All of us want to be respected, liked, loved, recognized. If you don't think you want to be recognized, then do something and don't look back. Most of us look back and see if anybody sees us. Anyway, we are, are we hooked up, Mark? Okay. Anyway, we are on the third part of it, and let me say this. Um, This is not a message to get anything out of you. Yeah. I don't want nothing. I don't want nothing. So when it looks like... uh, it might look like somebody's picking or somebody's trying to get your wallet or get your pocketbook. So don't grab it when I start talking. You know, when you, when you start talking about money in church, folk get, get, get real nervous. You know what I'm saying? There's so many crooked folks all over the world, even in church, that people think that everybody, when they start talking about money, they're trying to convict you. This is not a, 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 a Isaac non-convicting message to try to get you to do nothing. Okay. This is what I believe about Truth and Love Ministries. I believe, and I've seen it with my own eyes, experienced it, loved it. God has truly taken care of this church for 25, five years in the house, almost 20 years in the building. We've never had a fundraiser. We never sold anything. We never had any special days to try to raise money. We've never done any of that. God has taken care of everything. Everything we got is paid for. I'm just giving y'all a little peace, okay? So when I start talking about money, I'm not trying to get a raise. I'm not trying to get a check. I'm not thinking about it. I'm just giving you the truth, okay? So y'all with me? Ain't nobody going to leave. Everybody, we all going to be friends after this, right? Okay. Amen to that. There was a story about a man who was in the hospital on his deathbed. The doctor gave him a short time to live. And there was, there was something he needed to take care of before he died, but he himself could not do it. He couldn't take care of it himself. So he called his three clo- closest friend, friends to his bedside, and when he called them, he called his pastor, his doctor, and his business partner. And they all gathered around his bed, and he began to talk to them about his money. He said, I know I don't have long to live, 
And he said, I'm not really sure about the afterlife. I'm not positive what happens in the afterlife. And there is a possibility that I might need some money where I'm going. So what he did was he split up $300,000. He gave each one of his, his doctor, his pastor, and his business, part, business partner each $100,000. He said, when I die, I want you to take that money and walk up to my casket and slide it inside my coat, please. And so shortly after that, the man died. Pastor came up, went up to the, went up to the casket, gently slid an envelope into his jacket. Best friend, business partner came up, slid an envelope in his jacket, and then his doctor came up and slid an envelope in his jacket. The man was buried, some time went by, and they were all get together, together one day talking about their memories of the guy and you know, how great a guy he was and so on and so forth. And, and the pastor said, guys, I, my conscience bothers me, I gotta admit. He said, I didn't put the whole 100,000 in his jacket. So our budget's been off and we been having a hard time making budgets, so I took 20,000 out. Doctor said, well, I gotta admit too, I didn't, I didn't put it all in there either. He said, man, we got some equipment in my office that need to be repaired and some that needs to be replaced. So I took 50,000 out, I put 50,000 in there with him. And the other guy looked at him and said, man, y'all ought to be ashamed of yourself. This guy trusted you, he trusted you to put the money in his coat when he died. He said, I just, what I did was, he said, I wrote him a check for the whole amount. <laughs> the, the whole $100,000. Y'all ought to be ashamed of yourself. So, said so whenever he get where he going, he got it all. He got the whole amount. And so, money does funny things to people. Actually, money don't do anything to people. It's an inanimate object. It's a thing. It can't do anything, and it really can't change people. You say people change when they had money. No, that ain't what happened. What happened is money revealed who they were on the inside. It just exposed them. It removes the barriers that keep people from acting the way they really want to act, and it shows you who they truly are. It shows you who they truly are. Uh, uncovering the innermost self, and over the past two sermons, we looked at our innermost self, and, and apart from Christ, guess what we are? We're all selfish. We're all selfish. And if you think that you're not, I'll open the altar again so that you can come and we can cast the devil out of you because you definitely have one bothering you if you think that you are not dealing with, because I'm gonna tell you something, listen to me good. In the beginning when God created man and the devil came 
Adam and Eve was tempted to be a God to themselves. That was, that's the greatest temptation that they faced and you face. It's the greatest temptation every one of us faced. So, and that's what we call pride, okay? Pride is placing our selfish nature and desires in the place where only God should be. And today we're going to talk about the test that covers our pocketbook. Like I said, I forewarned you from the beginning, so I feel, I feel folk clenching their pocketbooks and, and the guys that got wallets in the pocket, they tightening their butts up, you know, so they don't nobody mess around and grab their wallets. So it's all good. It's all good. Just stay with me, please. Stay with me, please. Okay. Today we're going to talk about greedy pride. We're going to talk about greedy pride. And, and it comes from using money the wrong way. Okay? And I want every one of us to avoid greedy pride. And I want us to avoid it by using the resources that God has put in our possession the right way using it the right way, okay? Now, by using them the way he expects us to, way that honor him, and we're going to look at the wrong way that's highlighted in these passages, okay? So the first example of greedy pride is hoarding treasures. If you look at verse James 5, 1 through 3, he said, Now listen, you rich people, weep and wail because of the misery that is coming on you. Your wealth has rotted and moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You have hoarded wealth in the last days. And I think one translation say you've hoarded wealth for the last days. So do you remember who James's audience was? And it makes you wonder, did he all of a sudden forget who his audience was. So if you think back to James chapter 1, it says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, he said, greetings, my brother, and count it all joy. To the 12, he said, to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad, greetings, my brother, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptation. Okay, so it almost seems as if James is not aware of who his audience is in this particular case. So how would you respond if I started my message today saying, all of you rich people need to listen to me today? <laughs> I think most of y'all would shut down and say, whoever that is he's talking to, I hope they're listening. I hope they're listening. And I'm sure that's how those people felt when James addressed them to start talking about wealth and riches when they're giving up so much. So after all the classic definition of a rich person, somebody who got more than me. That's, that's the definition of rich. Tyler's rich when you compare him to me. No. <laughs> <laughs> And most people who think of them being rich, they don't even think that of themselves. They don't even think that of themselves. Why? Because somebody else always has more. So why did James address those poor, scattered Christians as rich men? Why did he tell them about their wealth? 
These people had lost their homes, their jobs, persecution, and many of them had lost their families. And he called them rich because he wanted to make a point. He wanted to make a point. How many folks know that no matter how much or little you have, you can still harbor greedy pride? As a matter of fact, it's the poorest of folks that are, that are obsessed about money. It's the poorest of folks. You want to meet some stingy folks? Get you some poor people together. They are, they, they are I mean, rich folks stingy too now. They don't, they don't get rich by being generous. They get rich because they, get rich because they, they believe in get all you can, can all you get, and, and sit on the can. So, but to these people that we would consider dirt poor, James says, your riches are corrupted, your gold and silver is cankered. Why? Why, why is it that way? Verse 3, they heap their treasures together for what? The last days. Now, I'm sure everybody asks the question, does that mean we should not save money? No. What, does, what, what it means is, is we shouldn't selfishly pile up our money. Now, I'm going to tell you something. That already convicted 99.9% .9 of us. Because let me ask this question. Who in here is saving for somebody else? <laughs> who, who, who is contributing to their 401k so that somebody else can be blessed? I'm not. I'm not putting money in a savings account with somebody else in mind. I'm just being honest. Okay. Now, there's a difference between saving and hoarding. And what are you saving for? What are you investing for? Are you saving and investing in a way to bring honor and glory to God? Now, the question probably is going to be, how can I do that? We're going to get to that. Are you saving and investing in a way to bring comfort and ease to yourself. Everybody say amen. amen. That's what we're doing. That's exactly what we're doing. We're saving so that we can be comfortable and at ease when we're not working. Right? Are your purposes self-centered or God-centered? Are you hoarding because you want to live a life of ease and comfort? And everybody said that's what I'm doing. Okay. Now, the real question is, do you do what you say for yourself? Do you put it out of the reach of the rightful owner, which is God? Do you put it out of God's reach? The second question is, do you see your needs as needs that needs to be met by you and the needs of others that needs to be met by God. Remember this. He said, the silver and gold is what? Saith the Lord of hosts. Cattle upon a thousand hills. I know all the wild beasts of the mountain and all the wild beasts of the field are mine. He said, if I were hungry, I wouldn't even tell you. 
So he said, all silver and all gold belongs to who? God. So my question to you is, when you save, do you put it out of the reach of the rightful owner, which is God? Because what you got to understand is, when Jesus sent his disciples into town, and when he was getting ready to make the triumphant entry, he said, go into the city, and he said, you'll find the coat tied Go and tell the man that the Lord has need of him. In other words, the word Lord means what? Owner. So the man, he went to town and told the man, the Lord has need of his coat. In other words, and he said, when, he, when you tell him that, he's going to give it to you and let you go. So the man went in town. He saw the coat tied. And the man, he started taking him loose. And the man said, oh, what are you doing? He said, the Lord needs it. In other words, Jesus has a right to take what's his and move it to where he wants to. He sent them into town and he told them, he said, go and tell the master of the house that can he have my room ready at this day and this time? In his house. Because what? God owns what? Everything. I've heard the joke and people laugh and we were talking about the man that wanted the money in his vest. But how many folks know that when you leave here, you ain't taking nothing with you? Job said it perfectly. He said, naked I came into this world. Now, they're going to put a suit on you, but the moth's going to eat it. But he said, naked shall I return. The Lord has given and the Lord taketh away. So all the stuff that we save and all the stuff that we, God allow us to use, he owns it. He put it in our hands for, uh, for us to use, okay? So my, my question is, do you put it out of God's reach? When you, you know, a lot of folks, now, now my uncle told me this about my, about my cousin, he said, he said he loved to save money. So he loved just sitting, watch it, watch it grow, watch it grow. Look at his account, I don't know how many times a day, he just loved to watch it, watch it. He's saving for himself, it gives him pride and it gives him comfort to know when he see it, that number goes up. And, and, who, and who doesn't? Everybody does. But the question is, if God calls for it, can he get it? That's the question. That's the question. There's nothing wrong with saving. There's nothing wrong with having. I want you to pile it up because I got a feeling that when you get it so high, God going to call you and tell you to send me some of it. So keep saving it. I want you to get the power man high as the ceiling. I do. Because I just got that feeling God going to test you and he going to say, Pastor Nunn, I need you to send him one of those stacks. you been... And see, here's the other question. Do you see your needs as needs you need to meet and the needs of others God need to meet them? In other words, when I see somebody going through something, I'm going to pray for you. God bless you. Yeah. The Bible said when we do that and we got what, what we need to offer, he said, the love of God ain't in you. He said, the love of God ain't in you. He said, how can I say to my brother, go be warm, fed, filled, and all these things when I have what's necessary to take care of those needs? How can I say the love of God lives on the inside of me? I cannot. He said, you're lying. The truth ain't in you. So are your purposes self-centered or God-centered? Are you hoarding because you want to live a life of ease and comfort? Look at verse 4. He said, now, behold, the hire of the laborers who have reaped down your fields, fields, which is of you kept back by fraud cries and the cries which have, which have reaped 
or entered into the ears of the Lord of Sabia. And before I say that, I want to say this. I want to say this. I want to go back. Let me go for just a second. Because I want to, I want to, I want to, that's the next, that's the next uh, topic. I want to say this before I go. Life puts us in a position where we try to prepare so that what happened to us won't ever happen again. We try to do that. I'm guilty. I lost, in 1996, I lost my job. I couldn't pay my bills. I was struggling. And I'm going to tell you something. It is not a good feeling. I don't ever want to see those days again. But you know what happens to people? And see, that's what James was telling these people that were scattered abroad. They lost their homes. They lost their jobs. They lost their families. And guess what these people do? They, they start a defense fund where they want to actually keep money so that this won't ever happen to me again. In other words, let me tell you something. And see, when I look back at my life, when I lost my job and I couldn't pay my bills, guess, you, know, you know how that all came about? I got real spiritual one day. And I prayed, I said, God, if there's anything in my life I'm trusting other than you, I want it gone. Don't pray that. Don't do it. Because you know what? Guess what happened after that? Lost my job. God took me out of the church I was in. Because guess what? You'll be amazed at what you got your confidence in. And you don't know until it's gone. In one day, I went to work and the guy said, Isaac, you finished doing your time card? I said, God, I got a few more to do. And once I put those time cards in his hand, he said, Isaac, I hate to do it, but I got to let you go. No warning, no severance pay, no nothing. I've been a supervisor at the play for 10 years. Nothing but so long, bye-bye. <laughs> so long, bye-bye, so long. So, cause, you know what? Because I done told God I want to trust him. So how did God put fix it whether you trust him? He moved everything out of the way. Don't pray that unless you mean it. And what happens is people start putting money away because of what has happened to them. And if you came from a life of poverty, which most of us did, guess what we do? I don't want to live like that no more. I don't want to ever live like my mama had to live. I don't want to have to eat fatback meat and, and peas every day. I don't want to do that. So we save. We set ourselves up. And then when we do that, guess what we do? We eliminate God. We saying, God, I, I trust you. With everything but this. With this, I'm going to have to save me some money so this don't happen to me again. Okay? So, next, 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 next thing. He said, Behold the hire of the laborers who have reaped down your fields, fields which is of you kept back by fraud, cries, and the cries of them which have reaped are entered into the ears of the Lord of Sabia. And he's actually talking about, the second example of greedy pride is defrauding measures. We got people everywhere trying to get us, to beat us out of our money. I mean, this day and time, it's worse than it's ever been. I get, I get, we get phone calls. This is Amazon. We need you to press one to approve this $900 charge on your account. And they, they want to scare you because they want to talk to you because it's something they're trying to sell you. Or they just trying to get you to push some numbers so they can get some information some kind of way they trying to get your money. You got to be very careful. So 
whether it's in person over by the phone, email, people are busy trying to swindle folks out of their money. And they are good at it, folks. They're good at it. Here's a clue. Here's a clue. No matter how authentic the email or letter sounds, you didn't win the lottery in Nigeria. <laughs> I don't care. I don't care how official it looks. I don't care how good it looks. I don't care how real it sounds. And there is not a foreign government holding some money for you from your royal relatives and they need an account in America just to get it to you. When you read those, let me tell you what I do. Just drop it in the shredder. Drop it in the shredder. They, they, they trying to get your money. They trying to get your money. They call you, they tell you, man, they said, they said, man, these, these, these people want to, they're trying to get this money into them, into America. All they need is an account number to put it in. Yeah, right. <laughs> Folks all over the world, they want to give away money, right? Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. Anyway, it's serious business. It's happening to old, young, men, women, individual groups, and even churches. You'll be amazed at how many folks have showed up at that door on Sunday morning. They don't want to come to church. They don't want to come in and hear the message. They just need to, I just need their bill paid. At, at, least come, at least come and sit through and pretend like you're with us. Pretend like you're going to stay. I mean, they don't even pretend. Guess what? And actually, Apple more churches, and every week, I, I guarantee you, you can talk to preachers all over the country, all over the world, and you hear them, people trying to defraud the church, trying to get money from the church, food, gas, power bill. And I'm going to tell you something. The great, let me tell you how to handle it. The best way to handle it is, we do all our business through the Opelika Police Department. That's right. Come on, man. If you tell them that, nine times out of ten, they'll say, well, I'd be all right. Most of them got a warrant. They don't want to go see the police. We do housing. We do gas. The Ministerial Alliance actually do housing and gas. They'll put you up for a night. They'll give you gas, but they send you to the police department. So when, when the police get ready, to, they, know, they know what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. So they'll say, okay, I'm going by there. Thank you. Never hear from them. But this is what God said, Proverbs 11.1, 1, he says, a false balance is an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. The bottom line is God hates fraud. Why? Because it's so much in, in it. It includes lying, deception, stealing, taking advantage of people's good intentions and trust. It's, it's just too much in it, and God hates it. He hates it, Okay. And so here's the magical question. Have you ever defrauded anyone? Have you ever sold something that you knew was not worth what you sold it for? Just keep looking straight if you did. It's all right. <laughs> Have you ever presented something as, as better than it actually was in order to sell it? Let's get closer to home. Have you ever cheated or lied or misrepresented yourself for your own personal gain? Hold on. I got a guy that actually worked with me, and this is what he told me. He told me, he said, that's a guy in Atlanta. He said, this guy can do you a resume 
because he, he knows what words to put in it to actually make them pull your resume. And so they did his resume, and when they gave it to him, he, he asked the question, who is this? <laughs> who, who is this? He, he, didn't, he didn't even recognize his own resume because it told more about, it said he knew stuff that he didn't knew he knew. Here we go. Have you ever... Uh, yeah, that last thing up there. That last thing up there. Thank you. Thank you so much. 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 Yep. Got five children, don't have none. Yeah, I know something. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Yeah. 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 Yep, got all those expenses that you didn't have, I know. Yep. Anyway, now that we got everybody covered, <laughs> Acts chapter 5, verse 1 through 4. Wonder why he put this in here. He said, but a certain man named Ananias with his wife, with Sapphira, his, his wife, sold a possession and kept back part of the price his wife also being privy to it and, and bought, brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. This is what was happening. They, people that had two properties, they would sell one and they'd bring all the money for the one they sold and lay it at the apostles' feet. And the Bible said the distribution was made so that those who had lack had none and those who had abundance, it put everybody on a level playing field. Okay, so this is what they were doing. They sold, they sold their property. And, and, and see, Ananias and Sapphira, you know, they sold the property and they said, man, I ain't giving them all this money. So what they did was they said, well, they got together, husband and wife. They said, well, let's just, okay, we sold it for 100000 Let's just tell them we sold it for twenty. And so they came and laid 20000 at the apostles' feet. And when they laid the 20000 there, they had both agreed uh, Peter said this, Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep part of the price of the land? Look what he said now. He said, while it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, wasn't it yours? It still was yours. He said, why hast thou conceived this thing in thy heart that thou hast lied to the not, has not lied on the, on the slow down, Isaac? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thy heart Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. Okay? So in other words, what, they, what were they doing? They were defrauding God, right? They, they made a commitment. They said, God, I'm going to give you this. We're going to sell this. We're going to sell this property, and we're going to give all the money to the church. Okay? So then they, they got the money. They did like most of us do. They get the money, and they said, shoot, that's too much money to give to the church, man. <laughs> Hundred thousand dollars. Don't need all that money. Church don't need all that money. So 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 let's let's just get together and say, uh, uh, Ananias, uh, let's just say we sold it for twenty. Not realizing they were dealing with God, so they went before the apostle, laid it at the apostle's feet, and Peter said, Peter, why? I mean, Ananias, why have you allowed the devil to deceive you into doing this? He said. When you sold it, it was yours. All you had to do was get your money and keep going. You could have kept it all. 
you could have kept it all. You didn't have to, you didn't have to do this. And so, long story short, the Bible said when, when he did it, he said there are some men at the door and they're going to come and take you away. In other words, Ananias dropped dead after he did it. That'll stop folk from lying in church, won't it? If every now and then you die, every now and then somebody told a lie, and then bam! <laughs> Ooh. I think what I have most of y'all quit coming. God ain't playing in there. I ain't going back up in there. I might accidentally tell a lie. <laughs> But then what I want you to see, they lied and then they died. They lied and then they died. They lied and then they died. Now, this is what I want you to see from this. Don't fear, don't fear, don't fear. It will and it can still happen because this was a New Testament thing. It wasn't an old covenant thing. Now, they, a lot of folk died in the old covenant. These are the first ones that died in the New Testament. They lied and they died in church. Okay? But this is what I want you to understand. When we make a commitment to God, the Bible says in the book of Ecclesiastes, he said, don't, don't fail to keep your promise. It's better to keep your mouth shut than to make your promise and not do it because you're talking to God. But I don't want you to fear that you're going to drop dead, but you better be scared that you might. What I want you to understand is death, what does death mean? Separation. Separation. So what's happening? What's going to happen? When I make those promises to God, all that's going to happen, every time I lie, I'm, separ I'm separating. Yeah. I'm being separated from it. I'm being separated from it. So, have you ever thought about defrauding God? Most folks said no. But what about the tithe? I said this, I said this, I said this in the beginning. This is not to get you to do anything. It's just telling you the truth. Okay, so here we go. Malachi 3.8. Every time I read that, I think about my wife. Will a man rob God? <laughs> Yet ye have robbed me. But ye say, wherein have we robbed thee? In tithe and offerings. Okay. Okay, robbed them in tithe and offering. Now, this is what I want people, this is what I want y'all to understand. There's a lot of folks that actually say that the tithe is a part of the law. And it's really not because tithing came into existence in the book of Genesis. The law came in Exodus and Leviticus, okay? So tithing is not a part of the law. A lot of folks say it's under the old covenant. So we don't have to do it in the new covenant. And they use 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, or 1 Corinthians 9, 6, whichever one it is. But they say, they say we don't have to do this. But this is what I want you to understand. Tithing is God's way of testing our heart to the place where we can see whether we trust him or whether we trust our money. I'm going I'm to I'm 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 wipe the whole plate clean, so don't panic yet, okay? And so 
It is, it, is, it is an opportunity for us to show God that I trust you. And think about it now. He's a good God because he only asks for a dime out of every dollar. Okay? I mean, man, that's, that's good. If the government were good as God is, man, I'd be a rich man for real. If they would just take a dime out of every dollar, I'd be wealthy. Think about it. How much tax money you pay? They're getting 20, 25, 30, 30% off most of us. And, and, and if they went down to 10%, just think about how much money I would have. Okay? So it is an opportunity for us to show God that I trust you and not my resources, not my money. Okay? Now, now because Jesus said, you cannot serve God and mammon. They, call, they say mammon is money, but mammon is the materialistic system that we're in. And this system calls for servants because they say you can't serve God or mammon and you're going to be serving one or the other. Okay? And so there are some people that say that uh, we're not under the law. The Old Testament is gone, so we don't have to tithe. We're under grace. Okay? So let me tell you about grace. Okay? In grace, grace is to the place where I trust God with everything that I have, and at any moment, he can ask for all of it. I'd rather give him a dime. I mean, really. People think that being under grace means that I give what I want to. Now, I want you to just consider this for just a moment. I do this in, in when, I, when I teach new members class, I do this in new members class, okay? And I tell them this, I say, okay, we got, just say we got 20 people. We got 20 people in the church. Okay, um, Mary decides she's going to give $2. Arthur decides he's going to give 10 Betty Jean side, she's going to give three. Sister Catherine's going to give 15. Okay, now, at the end of the day, those 20 people come up to about $75. All right? The mortgage is five seventy-five. What are we supposed to do? The mortgage, when we bought this building, the mortgage was $588 a month. If everybody gives what they want, I like the plan myself now. I'm just telling you, I like the plan. I would love to just say, hey, man, God, hey, God, I got, I got two for you. I mean, I would love, that'd be sweet, wouldn't it? And he's going to bless those two. He's going to bless you right on, no matter what you decide to get. Whatever. I mean, come on, man, that ain't even realistic. That's not even realistic. You know, Grace means that God can say, Isaac, I need you to go to the bank, and whatever that number is in the bank, I need it all, and I need you to take it to that place. That's what grace means. Grace means that God is, but see, he, 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 put, he, he instituted the tithe so that we could come to the place of grace where we trust him with everything that we have and know that if he requires it all, He's going to take care of me still. But, and let me, let, me, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me bring it home so everybody will be at peace. This is what I teach. I teach you the truth. This is the truth. But most folks, when they come to, to the church and they join the church, they already busted up. Their bills are right here and their check is right here. Okay? 
So, so those people come in and they, they try to, they try to do what this says. They try to give 10% of what they own. And guess what happened? The lights turned off, the car repossessed, they kicked out on the street. So this is what I tell people. I say, this should be your heart. This should be your goal is to do what God say. But you got to say, God, I'm not to that place. I want to go there, but I'm not there. So I tell them, every person needs to operate where their faith is. See, if you do it because I'm telling you, you're not operating in faith. You're doing it because somebody's telling you to do it. And guess what happens when you do what folks when you follow somebody, it don't work. God is not obligated to, to take care of you. He's not obligated to do what he said. He's obligated when you operate in faith. So, okay, God, after I paid all my bills, now I know what you require. But this is what I got. And I'm telling you, God will receive it because he showed that when he showed the widow. All the other men had all this money. They're giving all this money. This lady gave all she had. And God said she gave more, more than them all. So he was not looking at the hand so much as he was looking at the heart. Now, don't settle in giving that little bit. This is your goal. It's to obey God. But don't try to obey God if you don't have faith to do it. Hebrews 11.6 says, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And everything that we do, we should be doing it in faith and not because Pastor Nunn said so. It ain't going to work for you. And that's, what I don't, that's why I don't tell people, you got to do this. Because, I mean, yeah, you can do it, but guess what? In the midnight hour... While I'm trying to sleep, you're going to come knocking on the door saying, hey, I did what you told them, but I ain't got nowhere to live now. <laughs> I did what you told them, but they came and got my car. So I'd rather you pay your bills than let me sleep. <laughs> and give what you can until you can get yourself situated. Because if I got to pay it, I might well just pay the tithe for you and be done with it. Right? Operate where God, where you are in your faith. Pray for God to help you to get to where you need to be. Okay? Now, moving on. And if you have, if, if we don't do what God said, it's fraud. Greedy pride. Hoarding treasures. Defrauding measures. Okay? And the third, the third example of this is indulging in pleasures. James 5, 5. You have lived in pleasure on earth and been wanting. You have nourished your hearts as in the day of slaughter. Does God want us to live without pleasure? No. No. You know, I mean, God created the Grand Canyon, the Niagara Falls, he, I mean, he created this beautiful earth for us to see, nice stuff for us to have, nice places for us to live. He, he did all of that. It does not, he, 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 don't, he, he, don't, he don't want us not to have like, not like say. But guess what? It really does not matter. It don't matter how much we have and things that we have in our life. It don't matter. What really matters is 
is the attitude. Look what James said. You lived in pleasure on earth and been wanton. Wanton means living recklessly. You've nourished your hearts as in the day of slaughter. Okay? So what is your reason for living? Is it to honor and glorify God or is it some pitiful indulgence? What do you spend your time indulging in? Serving God, serving yourself, pleasure, life. There's nothing wrong with pleasure. There ain't nothing wrong with having a whole bunch of money. The question is, and what God is concerned about, does it have you? That's right. Does it have you? And every now and then he's going to test it to see which way it is. Or is it wantonness? How are you nourishing your heart? Or do you nourish your heart with Bible study, reading, meditating on the word, worship, singing, praising Jesus, with Christian fellowship service? Are you feeding your pleasures with lust and worldly desires? Or are you indulging your pleasures or pleasing the Lord? That's the question. That's the question. There's a lot of people that retire and they want to retire so they can do whatever it is they want to. Listen to me, folks. No matter how many jobs you retire from, you never retire from God. No. There never comes a time when, because, you know, it never comes a time when I just live the way I want to live. I do what I want to do. I just, 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 just indulge in all this life and pleasure and I can go and see and do. And there's nothing wrong with that. But where is your heart when somebody needs something? Where's your heart? Where's your heart when I'm in a jam? Where's your heart when you could feed somebody, when you could care for somebody, when you see somebody that has lack? Where's your heart? Where is it? That's the million dollar question. Pride shows itself in many different ways. It shows itself sometimes, most of the time, in selfishness. That's why we fight. That's why we have wars. That's why we get, can't get along. Because of selfish lust and envy. In the way you elevate your selfish desires above God is how we put ourselves like the devil. All that stuff comes from the devil. All of it came from Satan. I will exalt my throne above the most high. He didn't just want to serve God. He wanted to be God. That's the test. That's the temptation that every person deal with. It, is, it, it shows itself in the way you arrogantly plan your life like you're in the one in control. None of us are in control. None of us are in control. We can make plans, but guess what? God got the final say-so. He got the final say-so. And when you think about pride... Pride is at the heart of all sin, every sin. It is the ultimate rebellion against God. Whether it's selfish, presumptive, greedy, we are telling God, I don't need you. I don't need you. You're telling the creator, the sustainer, I do not need you. And I'm telling you something. That's why we try to store up and that's why we try to gather up. Because let me, which, which one is easier? To go to the bank or trust God? Trust God. It's, 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 it's easier we say to trust God, but it's easier for us to tr trust that money in the bank and go to the bank and get the money. 
Which would you rather do? That's what we say. But I'd rather go to the bank and get that money and handle what I need to handle. The truth is, that's the truth. That's the truth. And we want the easy road. We don't want the hard road. We don't want the difficult part of life. We don't want to have to wait on God. But I'm telling you, God creates situations and circumstances in life so that we can learn to trust him. You have to learn to trust him. It don't just happen. It don't happen. So how do we get rid of it? The only way to get rid of it is to die to it. And the only way to die to it is to, is to have the one who died for you living in you. Listen, folks, when I say die to it and when I say living in you, note the word living, living, not just in you, living in you. It's a lot of people invite Jesus into their heart, but is he allowed to live? Is he allowed to live? Or is he confined to a certain area and a room of your life? Most of the time, Jesus has only access to certain areas of our lives. He can't live everywhere he wants. He can't go in every room. I got, a, I got a, uh, uh, this thing that we usually give people, is, and you can look it up online, my heart, his home. And it talks about all the rooms of your heart. It talks about all the rooms of your heart and how many Jesus, how many areas you allow Jesus. It, it is awesome. It is awesome. It, it, how many areas do you allow Jesus in, the, in, in, your, in your life? How many areas do he have free reign and free access to go into? So Romans 8, 10, 11 says, If Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. Let's say it this way. And if Christ be in you, the body should be dead because of sin. But the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Listen to me, folks. He will quicken your mortal body. Jesus will come alive as you yield to him and as you die to the thing that's actually dominating and controlling you. How do you die to it? You stop feeding it. You stop feeding it. You stop giving it access. You stop giving it control. You start thinking about it. You start listening for what God has to say. You start listening to what he's talking about. You start doing the things that feel even uncomfortable to you. I'm telling you, 1996 put a scar on me. And it made me to the place where I don't ever want to live that way again. But you know what? Every now and then, God will pull up. He, he tests the heart strings. And he'll tell me to do something that costs me something. Why? So he can know. Not, not well, let me, let me back that up. He does it so I can know whether I love him, trust him, and will obey him or not. And I'm going to tell you, the, 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 the tricky part about trusting and loving and obeying God, it all comes down to money. It all comes down to money. You want to know where your heart is? Look in your checkbook. It'll tell you. It'll tell you exactly where it is. And I'm not telling you your check to the church should be bigger than any other check that you write. I'm not telling you that. I'm not telling you that. I'm telling you, if you want to know what your life consists of, look at what you spend your money on. Because the Bible says where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And let me, let me tell you this right here. I 
I got a 401k. I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. I got a savings account. But let me tell you what else I got. Let me tell you what else I got. I got a great amount of money that goes into an account where it don't matter what the stock market do. It doesn't matter. The thieves don't have access to it. They can't go to heaven and hold God up and put a, God, a, a gun in God's rib and say, I'll give it up. It's not there. Can't do it. I lay up most of my, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. And I'm not, and I'm not telling you this as a bragging point. I'm just telling you a fact. You'd be amazed at what kind of house I could buy just simply by what I give away. I could live in some of the best of neighborhoods, but I don't care about that. I don't care about that. All I'm trying to do is keep the rain off. All I'm trying to do is keep them getting wet, cold, and hot. That's all. I don't care whether you like where I live. It don't matter. It doesn't matter. I don't care if you look at my neighborhood and say, man, all them, all them, all them trailers and thugs live around there, they live by you. They just wear a suit. <laughs> yeah, they just drive, y'all, they just drive Mercedes over there where you live, you know. They the same thing. Devil manifest everywhere and all people, all kind of folks, don't care where they live. You living by drug dealers, dope dealers, killers, all kind of stuff. Live right around your neighborhood. You, you in a gated community, you just locked up in there with them. Yeah. yeah. You ain't got it no better than I got it. Mm-mm. No. So pride is something we got to deal with in life. You can't escape it and live. But the scripture tells us that that one who died in your place, he died to rescue you from the body of death. And he lives in you to bring you to new life. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this. And you know what? This, most of the time, never takes place in the life of the believers. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. I want you to notice that the other scripture, it was talking about Jesus living in you. Now it's talking about you living in Christ. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. How many folks say old things still there? Behold, all things become new. How many folks still say I'm dealing with some of the old stuff still? And it's because we got to not just invite Jesus in, we got to let him live. We got to let him be Lord. We got to let him make decisions. We got to let him make choices. We got to obey what he say. We got to do what he tells us to do. And when you do, all things become new. Forsake your pride and cast yourself upon Jesus. Listen to this, folks. Take yourself off the throne of your life. Invite Jesus to rule and reign there. And when he does, all, all those old things will pass away and everything will become new in your life. Everything will become new in your life when you do that. But I'm going to tell you something. You want to know why most Christians don't ever change? You know why you don't ever see a difference in folk? Because they don't let Jesus be Lord. They're trying to live their own life. They're trying to save up for themselves. They're trying to prepare for their own future. You know, and it's a hard thing not to do. It's a hard thing not to do. It's a very hard thing not to do. It's a hard thing not to just be selfish to think about you. 
But you know what I think about? I think about my mama. My mama worked at West Point Careful. And I, God, I can't even tell you how much money she made an hour because I, I remember in 1990, 1996, I was making $6. So, shoot, mama had to be making two. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Three? But then, you know what? You know what I think about? I said, man, if mama, if God can bring mama through on three, If he can bring people through the Great Depression when they had no jobs, there were food lines. And you know what he said? This is what God said. He said, consider the birds of the air. They don't sow nor reap nor gather in the barns. Let me ask you this question. Go back and look at some of the old video of the Great Depression. And I want you to show me how many birds were in line. And they still here. They made it through the Great Depression and didn't even have a job. That's right. Didn't even have a barn. And that's what he's telling us. He said, now, I brought the bird through the Great Depression. Yeah. I brought the squirrel through the Great Depression. When men were standing in line begging for food, they were still eating. That's right. How much more yes, will he take care of you? How much more? You, Don't try to hoard it up. Don't try to save it all up. Don't live your life trying to live it in pleasure. Enjoy life, I'm telling you. Please do enjoy life. Have a good time. Travel. Get in the plane with Tyler and fly. I mean, just, just have a good time. You know what I'm saying? Ride a motorcycle with him. You know, just... just Get on the back of the truck, go on a hayride. You know what I'm saying? Just, 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 just enjoy life, man. Got, we ain't got but one life to live. We don't have but one life to live. Enjoy it. But don't enjoy it and hawk and hawk to the place where you get to be the God of your life. But don't be a fool either. You know, a lot of folks, don't worry about tomorrow. This young generation, they don't, they don't worry about tomorrow. They don't, they don't even, they're not even concerned about tomorrow. There's some people on, at, on the job, they, they, you know, you tell them you're going to fire them, they be like, hold up, let me save you the paperwork. I'll see you later. <laughs> you ain't got to go through that. Then leave. You know why? And, and, and in one sense, I admire them. Because you know what? They're not worried about tomorrow. And we're supposed to live that way. The Bible says, ask this day for this, for this day our daily bread. But my, my, my fear is I might wake up in the morning and I haven't prepared for it. You know? So enjoy life, but trust God. Look to God for your life, your living, your food, your daily bread. Let me say this. And even if you don't look, know that it comes from him. Know that it comes from him. I don't know why God put this on my heart, but I'm gonna say it, I'm gonna say it now because I'm dealing with a young generation of people, some young folks. There's gonna come a day that, um, and it's coming fast, it's coming fast, where they're gonna try to get you to put a mark in your hand and 
on your forehead. They're going to try to, see, we go into a cashless society. They try, I mean, it's amazing how smooth they did it. I remember, man, you know, you all, all went to the store and wrote a check. Now, if you get in line and write a check, folks looking at you like, what are they doing? They don't even know, do you write checks, Tom? Yeah. You do? Okay. So, but, 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 but my concern is, here's my concern. There's coming a day when they're going to try to, they're going to try to get a mark on, on your hand, your forehead. And they're going to tell you that if you don't have this mark, you can't buy nor sell in the market. Listen to me good, folks. If you forget everything else I said, remember this. God already showed us what's going to happen. Okay? So, in the book of Exodus, this is what happened. He brought the children of Israel out. And when he brought them out, the Bible said they were in the land of Goshen. And they were living in pleasure while they were going through the plagues. When they were in the desert, God showed them. He said, I rain manna down from heaven. He said, I caused water to come out of a rock. This is what I want you to understand. They're going to threaten you and tell you that if you don't take this mark, you can't buy in the market. But this is what they don't know. This is what they don't know. They don't know that God makes the aspirin work. They don't know that. They think that the stuff they put in it make it work. They don't know that God makes the crop come up out of the ground. They don't know that it's God that makes the gas go into your car, your spark plug to fire, the explosion to come, the piston to move, and everything to start flowing so that your car runs. They don't know that. They think that it's because they're intelligent. And see, what's going to happen is all the Christians, some, the Christians might be deceived into believing that this is going to happen for real, but what's going to happen is this. Once the line is drawn and you've made your choice, they're going to be taking them aspirin over there and ain't nothing going to be happening. They're going to be pumping gas and the car that's going to sit there. Because God make it all work. God makes it all work. He makes it all work. Without him, nothing works. Medicine works because of God. Surgeons are successful because of God. He taught them how to cut. I, I don't understand that, how somebody can cut your ribs and open you up, take your heart out, and, and keep it going while your body, they're working on your body. That's amazing. You think any man smart enough to do that? God taught him how to do that. But guess what's going to happen? Once that line is drawn, he's going to cut you over. He's going to be like, what do I do now? And you're going to lay there and die. And the folks that don't take the mark are going to be living over here in health, in wellness, in blessing, in peace. Don't let them fool you. Don't let them fool you, folks. I'm telling you. Do not let them fool you. Don't let them fool you. I close with this. I close with what I started with. If you're dealing with something and you want prayer, I challenge you to come to the altar. You ain't got to, ain't nobody got to pray for you. You ain't got to tell nobody your secrets. The Bible says this. He said, he said, my house shall be called the house of prayer for all men. All men. He said, you can come here and pray. And I believe he said, you can come here and pray and get an answer. He'll answer you. He will answer you. I thank him for that. I thank him for setting up a place where he'll meet you. Speak to you. Talk to you. 
you, heal you, liberate you, deliver you, set you free. He fixed a place for you to do that. Lord, we're so great. We're so grateful. We thank you. We praise you. We worship you. We honor you for the privilege of being in your house. Thank you for speaking to our hearts. I pray, Father, that the devil don't snatch the word that was sown, that they hear it, they heed it, and they let you work in their lives. We bless you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed what you heard, make sure you subscribe and share with someone you know. And tune in next week for more sermons from Truth and Love Ministries.